0: Before this week's episode, I want to tell you about starting out. It's Digiday's latest podcast hosted by our very own Shereen Batuk. We talk to leaders in the marketing industry about the ideas that inform their prominent voices and big decisions in the business today. We've had guests like GE's Linda Boff, P&G's Mark Pritchard, and agency leaders like Jeff Goodbye and Wendy Clark on the show. Find out more on digiday.com or subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Anchor.fm. Hello and welcome to Digiday Live, our podcast where we bring you the best sessions from our many summits around the world. I'm Aditi Sango, and this episode is our session from the Digiday Programmatic Marketing Summit that we held in New Orleans, Louisiana. Brands are building internal programmatic expertise. They're becoming smarter about ad tech. Direct consumer brands are changing their marketing tactics how to market to the right person at the right time, in the right place to make sure the customers and the prospects keep rising. Here's a conversation with Rich Fullop, founder and CEO at Brooklyn.
1: For those who do not know, tell the story. Sure. Um, For those of you that don't know, we're based in New York. We're four years old. We're a digitally native home goods company. Uh, Started off in the bedding category, recently expanded to the bath category as well. Um, Tremendous amount of traction, fastest growing uh, in our category, one of the fastest growing uh, digitally native brands out there. So excited to talk about it, tell you guys
2: more. So give me some metrics about, about how big Brooklyn is.
1: Sure, so say. we uh, just crossed into our fourth year and this stuff's out there, so um, can't give you any numbers for this year, but we're seeing over 100% growth. Um, our last three years have been from single figure mi- uh, millions to over $20 million to over $50 million uh, in revenue. So um, we're fastly approaching our $100 million revenue mark in just about f- four years. And this is a bootstrap business that my wife and I started um, pretty much in our apartment um, as we were the customers. So I'm um, using a lot of these, like, Multi-touch attribution, uh, marketing strategy has been uh, pretty critical in really building up the business.
2: So, for those who aren't like in it, explain what is going on in this DTC category because there are a ton. Any any one of us who has opened up Instagram, sure, is is introduced to a new disruptive sweater startup or
1: socks startup. Yeah. It, it could be annoying. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I've, uh... I 'm definitely uh, riding that, uh, that wave, actually Wave is the best way to put it. Um, <laughs> we were very fortunate um, and to have good timing, and we were at the forefront of that. And we started about four years ago, so it was very, very different and these days to start a brand in a particular category, like you said, boot socks, you know anything really where there's a supply chain. You know, you need a Facebook account. You need uh, a store, which you can start with a very many number of services. a Google AdWords account, and you know, you can really source you know quickly. I wouldn't say it's like the best product. Our product is a best-in-class product. It took us a lot of time, but like if you really just want to get up and running, you can do it quite easily. So, what's going on is it's quite easy to get started. not to get traction and awareness, that's the hard part, and build it up. But to get your foot in the door and get rolling is actually quite easy for a DTC brand. Mm-hmm. And the idea of DTC just in general is you cut out the middleman, yep, um, but the new middleman is customer acquisition unfortunately, yeah that's, that's <laughs> kind of the way it works, and it's a challenge to be as efficient as possible. Um, we have a promise to our customer and we started off that we don't overcharge, we literally take as little as we can to have a very, very compelling offering, so um, our product um, would comp at five six hundred dollars for a set of sheets which we sheets, which we sell at. 150 bucks or so to 200 bucks. So Um, that is the offering, but the challenge is acquiring customers in that range to serve that up to them.
2: And so uh, that's why we see all of the DTC brands Mm -hmm. in in our feeds regularly, right? For sure. Um, So, how do you make sure that you're not just in this constant, you know, constantly in the customer acquisition game? I mean, because at some point
1: you've got to build, I assume in this area, you've got to build a brand, you've got to build loyalty. Yeah, 100%. So brand building is key. So um, that's something that we're definitely focusing on much more this year as we feel like we've hit an inflection point of, you know, this is quite a big business. We have hundreds of thousands of customers that we see them coming back, you know, to purchase more and more products, which is kind of the cornerstone of the business of a good business is that repeat purchase and having people come back and be engaged with you. So producing content for them, staying engaged, launching new, new products. Um, is really the key to to keeping them coming back, which is really a differentiator of somebody that's just like grasping at straws to figure it out. We are really building a long-term relationship with the customers we've already collected over the last four years and built a relationship with. Okay,
2: so a lot of this is coming off the platforms, right? Correct. Okay, so how much much of your, your paid marketing is
1: done through Facebook? You know, in the last couple of years, it's going down, and I'm sure that's a theme that people have talked about. It's just because there's a lot of traffic, saturation on the platform. Uh, I think a lot of brands, from what I hear, um, I talk to a lot of startup CEOs. They're 80, percent 75, 80 percent of their budget goes to Facebook. We're way lower than that at this point. We're probably 25, 30 percent of our budget goes to that. Um, last year, it might have been 50 percent. Um, diversification is the name of the game and key at scale. So you know. Really, every channel plays a different role within the funnel, so you have to know where that place lies and what your allowable costs are within that slot on the funnel, so you know how they feed into each other once you have a lot of things mm-hmm. going on in there. So you're spending less on Facebook this year than
2: you did last year, just because it's...
1: it's On track this year to be similar, I would say, okay. but we've opened up new channels as well, so right. that's really what we're pushing hard to so do. percentage wise percentage it's, it's, wise it's, it's going down as absolute dollars. it's probably pretty similar. Um, yeah, I'd say it's about similar what it would have been last year. okay, so what kind of data challenges do you end up having Yeah, um, same as was mentioned by Jess from Wayfair is you know attribution's really tough, and when you you know move away from all the digital platforms um, that are more programmatic and you do more brand awareness uh, marketing um, channels such as out of home. Television, which you can measure, but it's more difficult. Radio, podcast—like there, there are a lot of channels out there way to reach customers. But once you mix it all up, and last touch is what all the platforms are reporting. It's really mm-hmm. hard to understand how much weight those other channels are pulling. So that's you know you want to open those up and have more diversification and get that brand awareness. But unfortunately, the data doesn't necessarily pull you there. You have to go there because right. it's not as apparent.
2: So do you have to sometimes? I don't want to say ignore the data, but downplay the data or grade on a curve. Cause if I, it was mentioned in the town hall, like nope. if you just keep looking at the data, it, you know, you end up like on this, this flashlight app,
1: nope. I think was, it was used. Yeah. Um, yeah, you do. And you have to take a leap of faith also when you open up a new channel and you have to know what your target CPAs are, um, to acquire customers. Um, and you also have to know the roadmap to get there. Uh, typically it's, it, these marketing channels we found have, you know, like a, what do we call the sideways S-curve, you know, where it's good and then it gets more expensive. And then once you hit scale and you, they work synergistically with the other channels, then you get a little downward pressure on the CAC and then it goes back up again. So you have to know, understand really how they work in conjunction with other channels.
0: I want to take a quick break here. If you find this session interesting, there's a lot more from our summit that we can tell you about in our event briefing. After every summit, we release these briefings on what's discussed in town halls, working groups, and state sessions. And if you subscribe to Digiday Plus, you can get these briefings too. Digiday Plus is our premium subscription product. And if you subscribe, you get the Digiday magazine, event briefings, exclusive research, and invites to member events. It's only $395 a year and if you want a 25% discount, here's a code. Enter podcast at checkout. To learn more, visit digiday.com, and you will see the Digiday Plus tab on the menu bar. Now, back to the episode. So
2: you do like um, non-digital channels, like you, right. you I, I'm sure, I'm sure I've seen your outdoor ads in New York. Yep. Um, but you do, you
1: do outdoor, out of home. Mm-hmm. You do uh, even some radio. We do terrestrial radio, satellite radio, podcasts, um, video. Um, if that's you yeah. know TV or YouTube or You know, we try to be as diverse as we can. Um, If there, you have to have a willingness to test. So if we are through the grapevine, that something is working for another brand or another marketer, we're always have budget allocated to test that channel and see what kind of results we get. Um, If it performs, we want to scale it as fast as possible and, you know, push budget there. So we have a pretty dynamic budget.
2: So what's one that people should uh, be testing
1: right now? What's one that people should be testing? uh, Instagram is very very key it 's different than Facebook and we work with a lot of influencers on that channel it's it 's a different um, different customer interacts on the other side um, for the millennial, millennial consumer, which is largely our customer base um, Instagram and Instagram videos is a lot like a modern day infomercial really for that customer. And you really have to understand how the customer understands that medium, really, and how they ingest it and create creative and partnerships that really work on that platform. Mm-hmm. So it's very different from the Facebook consumer in terms of age, demographic interest, and what they're looking to consume.
2: Is it very different marketing to a millennial consumer than just a normal non-millennial consumer? It
1: is, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of... Our, a millennial customer is not, really, they were born in this age now. So display ads, they're kind of onto it. So it's there for awareness, but like they're not going to click through. So last click attribution on display ad with a millennial customer is not really going to work so well. Um, they also want to be uh, you know, on the cusp of something new. So having that virality, that word of mouth, and being, having people be at the forefront that's very important to them. They don't want to be the last to know about something. So messaging is very, very key on that front. Okay, so
2: a lot of people here have existing organizations, but you sure. were starting an organization from scratch. So sure. how did that inform how you set up uh, the marketing function? Yeah. Because it's um, a
1: core competency of course. DTC brands. It's the most core, yeah. Getting in front of customers. Um, you know, somebody told me when you started, you know, you're always going to have com- competitors. People will copy you and copy fast if you're doing well. So you have to be, you know, very quick to react on that front. So. Um, when we started, going back to clock, it's the easiest channels to enter, to enter and the easiest channels to measure, which are the most obvious. So um, a lot of the platforms that you know we've discussed you know, are very, very easy to enter. So those would be the cleanest attribution. And most of them we measure on a last-click basis as well as a first-click basis because um, if you look in GA and you can see first-click basis, that's really like discovery. That would be like your true cost there. Last-click would be like the... Kind of like slam dunking at home, so you kind of have to understand first when you're building the funnel where each one sits, as I said before, and then how you attribute if it's more of a first click channel or a last click channel.
2: Mm -hmm. Any mistakes made in the four years? No,
1: none. I can't. I I can't really complain. Yeah, we've had (laughs) a lot of success, um, and we're very very disciplined, you know, in terms of using our budget and experimenting. Um, I wish any regrets. I wish we were. A little bit quicker to you know we're trying to move away from Facebook as much as we can um, just because there's a lot of traffic as I said before of you know we're fighting in this little slip of real estate for with Wayfair with every shoe brand with every sock brand everybody out there and it's really tough to cut through so uh, mm-hmm. I wish we'd reacted a little quicker quicker and seen the writing on the wall with other pla- yeah. platforms but nonetheless still well I,
2: you had said that you you hear you hear from other DTC brands yeah. that. Um, that they 're finding Facebook very noisy, yep. and that uh, they're not seeing this, the same return as they used to,
1: yeah, I mean just anecdotally i haven't seen really under the hood of other brands in what's going on, but you know cpms are double what they were a year ago, you know, and if you boil it down to like CPCs, it's it's double or more you know, for similar audiences. And then when you're using lookalikes, as a business matures, you have to widen that lookalike audience so it's a less qualified audience. It becomes more complicated at that point. And then with all the saturation, it just makes it like a really, really tough combination on the platform. And I'm hearing this from my peer companies as well.
2: Okay. Well, I want to open up to questions. Yes. Hi, how are you? The millennial generation is uh, well-documented as being uh, arguably... Uh, the biggest spending generation ever, $200 billion of spending power in the U.S. alone, uh, growing all the time, yet they're also the most digitally savvy generation, less influenced by traditional advertising, and probably more influenced by peer-to-peer content than anybody uh, out there. How do you take all that into account as you're marketing to them and trying to influence them to buy your products?
1: Sure. I try and do it, put the weight on us as little as possible. So... A big part, I I split the business pretty much into three sectors, I'd say like the pre-purchase would be the marketing, the product, and then the post-purchase part of it. Huge emphasis needs to be placed on the latter two. So the marketing is what we're all talking about here. You have to have a great product that keeps the customer, that promotes that virality, because at the end of the day, that's the cheapest way to acquire a customer, is if people want to talk about it. So great customer service and a great product are absolutely key to that. Because I said before, um, that's the best way to hook a millennial customer is somebody telling them about it. And if we treat everybody like a VIP with great service, um, they're more likely to tell a sibling or cousin or a friend than the way we look at it is the business doubles in size instantly over there. And you know, we have a huge emphasis on retention and keeping the relationship. So it's a lot of these like, soft skills type stuff that are really, really important, as you said, to cut through.
2: Okay. Any other questions?
1: Yes. Fan of your product. Thank you. And um, so, little story: uh, I ordered a whole new set of sheets a couple weeks ago. Went out to dinner, came home, and some jerk opened the box, took my sheets, left the box in front of my door, and that was it. I'm a little drunk. Get online, start chatting with your customer service. They immediately sent me a whole new set of sheets out. Mm-hmm. I, of course, started Facebooking and Instagramming how great Brooklyn is. But how do you retarget ha- happy customers? Because when you look at your cost for acquisition. Mm-hmm. And I think about my experience. Like I will, I, I freaking love your product. But how do you reach back out to me to get me more deals and get me to buy more? I, I, I wish I had a great answer for you. But you just answered the question by telling the whole room here for me. Really, like the investment was in that service over here, and like that really—that's what I was saying back there. Is that service is like a key component that like keeps a happy customer. I hope you're likely to buy your backup set or your second bedroom from us as well, or tell a friend. Really, so. That's I the buy hard p- bundles, just so you know. Okay, good. So. Okay, okay. <laughs> That's the hard part to quantify, really, like how this works here and mixing this in. You know, if people hear this, they check out the site, they come direct, right? If somebody heard about us and heard your story, then they go direct to the site. That further muddles up the funnel now because, like, I don't know how you found about out about it. They're all direct traffic, organic traffic that comes in, and like, did we I'm pay? Nearly millennial. Okay, right? clearly. <laughs> <Glyly. Yeah. laughs> Yeah, it's, it's complicated, but the Hive Assistant Service really keeps the retention and the LTV, that, yeah. that's the most important part. Well, well done. Thank you.
2: So final thing is, um, is there gonna be, I mean, there's a lot of focus on DTC brands and there are a ton of them out there. Mm-hmm. There has to be some kind of consolidation here. There seems to be too many SOC services. <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> I agree. I agree. There's uh, the
2: global stock market is gigantic.
1: Yeah, I mean a lot of feet, <laughs> I guess. but uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of saturation, a lot of copycats, and I think the most important thing, the, the most important moat that any of these companies could have is brand, really, and having a brand that stands for something and that really resonates with people and so makes people have a connection um, with what the product is and willing to talk about it. So. I'm so glad to hear that story, actually, because I've heard it a lot of times. So people have like dinner conversation of, you know, you're never gonna believe this brand I found out, and like somebody knows me or and tells me the story. And it's those brands that really stand for something and have like a brand with a moat and oh, evangelists are really gonna last. And we're building a brand for long term, not really trying to like get something right. quick off the. So ground. you can't just master customer acquisition. You can't. And you can't. Can't growth hack your way to a brand. No, you can't. Not to a brand. You can get off the ground and get a few million dollars of revenue. Um, You you could probably do that with probably bad economics, depending on what you're selling. But to create a loyal customer base is is pretty hard, and that's not easily replicable. Okay, cool. Cool. Thank you so much, Rich. Thanks so much, guys. All right.
0: That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you liked our show, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Anchor.fm. And help us share it forward. Leave us a review. Give us a five-star rating. Let me know what you think. Email me at aditi at digiday.com. Thanks again for listening and stay tuned for the next episode.